welcome to episode 2 of the Irish Rally Podcast with me, Kevin Regan. And what a first week it's been. You've been listening in in huge numbers across all platforms, and in doing so, it took the Irish Rally Podcast to 8 in the Irish Apple Podcast charts. 5-star ratings on Apple Podcasts do help hugely with regards to charts on that platform. And again, thanks to all who have done that so far. And if you still like what you're hearing, then that would be appreciated. And of course, you will remain anonymous. Thanks also to everyone who got in touch with us, and again, all reviews are most welcome as we strive to give Irish rallying the exposure it so badly needs and deserves. The good news during the week is that the Wexford Stages Rally, which is scheduled to take place on the 5th and 6th of September, has been given the green light. So, in light of that news, we speak to a man who has won the Wexford Rally five times in a row. He also finished third in the Circuit of Ireland just a few short years after taking up the sport, and he won back-to-back national titles in the mid-90s without losing a single rally along the way. This week's guest is Stephen Murphy, and the episode is in association with M. Cody Stoneworks, Castle Comer, County Kilkenny. Now it's a pleasure to be joined by Stephen Murphy on the Irish Rally podcast. Um, Stephen, it's good to have you on the show. We have very uncertain times, of course, the last couple of months. I hope, you're, hope you've been keeping well. But uh, good news for Irish Motorsport this week with the news that um, the Wexford Stages Rally is actually going ahead. And that's after giving a lot of competitors and fans something to really look forward to all going well yeah I'm sure it is um, you, you know uh, <laughs> rallying has suffered the same as I suppose all of us uh, with COVID-19 uh, the events being cancelled and so forth uh, so look I'd say Wexford are very happy to be the first to, to I suppose let, let, be let back in and uh, hopefully you know like every other event that they run down there to be a success and I'm sure it will and I know that a lot of guys are, are only uh, I suppose, very anxious to get out and get rallying again because the rally fever has been put to bed as well for the last three and a half, four months. You know? Absolutely. It's an event that was um, very kind to you around through the years. You won it a good few times. <laughs> yeah, I won, it, I won it five times in a row um, from 91 to 96, I think it was. Yeah, um, I, had, I had great rallies down there against uh, a lot of good competitors like Endon Olden, um, Donny O'Sullivan, you know, uh, Gwenda Evans, Melvin Evans, all those guys. And, and you know, happy memories uh, of a lot of people and a lot of support that I got down in Wexford. And, you know, met, met a lot of, uh, made a lot of new friends and everything by, I suppose, doing the Wexford event. And to be fair to the Wexford Motor Club, they run a super, super event. Uh, lovely stages, not uh, rough uh, and tumble, you know, every stage was one better than the other. And that's what I always felt about Wexford. Fast and flowing, you know, tricky, but fast and flowing stages, which every uh, competitor loves to have because nobody, I suppose, wants these uh, bumpy, bad, uh, dirty laneways. That's that's not, uh, I suppose, rallying that a lot of people like to see and a lot of competitors like to see because the value of cars and everything else, you don't want to see them broken up, even though, you know, everybody has off, as I've had myself. So there you are. Yeah. Um, what got Steve Murphy into rallying in the first place? Like, it was, it's the late 80s you kind of made your breakthrough. I'll tell you exactly. Um, I went to an event with Endon Olden and... Uh, you know, we were standing up in the ditch, as you do, and watching competitors uh, passing and so forth. And I just turned to him and I said, look, gee, that's something I wouldn't mind trying my hand at. And he said, yeah, you should. And Enda had been at it for years with the likes of David MacDonald and Paul Shield and people like that. So I, I researched, uh, I suppose, trying to buy a car. And the first car I bought was a Sunbeam 1600. And I suppose the first event I did then was up to Monaghan. 
and a chap called Liam Clark sat him, who sat in with Enda a good few times. And up in Monaghan, as you know, the tricky stages, going pretty okay for a first event, struck a ditch and broke a front uh, strut in, in the steering wheel. So that put us out of that event. And then uh, my local event was Carlo, was the next one I, I, I chose to do. And uh, when we did that, Line sixth overall over near a place called uh, Taylor's Cross near Michael. Going line sixth, as I say, going as hard as we could. Came down to uh, what we would call a left six, down through the box, going so hard, put the center out through the clutch. And I said, you know, uh, this maybe is not the car for me. So I went along and bought a works Toyota Corolla. And the following year, we won three championships the Dunlap Parmac Championship, the uh, the uh, Foley Championship outright and the 1600 National uh, Championship as well. So I suppose that got me in and that was, that was a seriously super car. Um, and I believe nowadays they make a fortune if you have one. So if I had to keep it, I, I, <laughs> it would be worth a lot of money, but I couldn't afford to do that. So I suppose, you know, got into it through, through Enda Nolan in fairness to Lord Mercy yeah, and a great competitor. No one, I suppose, for the you know for for the Sierra, the green Sierra in particular, with the SO on the side of it. That's that's what I know. Ended for and he had incredible pace, Absolutely. hadn't he? Yeah, well, one of the best days I had in Wexford was against Ender. Um, he had the 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 SO um, Sierra, as you said, four door. I had MXI nine five nine or four, which was a four a four door Sierra as well. And going into the last stage, there was 10 seconds between us. And both of us were on the door handles for the two days. And effectively, on the last stage, I, I, I took one second off. And so I won the rally by 11 seconds. But Ender was a seriously super content, uh, competitor and a lovely guy. And, you know, motorsport was at a huge loss when Ender Nolan passed away. I can tell you that. Absolutely, and I played. Um, I played some hurl underage with, with his son Tom. He's a great guy as well, and I know, I know. Um, you know, I, I know him fairly well. Just, just, just a great guy. Unfortunately, like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have ended terribly well because I'm Tom's age, and I wouldn't have came across him. But look, by all accounts, um, a fantastic competitor. And the thing that strikes me, the two of you, like you had, you had serious pace, in particular from your own point of view in the early days. Actually, sure, look, I suppose we had no sense and uh, we had <laughs> very little commitment. And, you know, um, you, you know, you gave it everything that you had. And if you won on the day, well and good. If not, and a competitor co- co- could beat you, well then, you know. But I, I you know, when you say, <laughs> sometimes, you know, when you get going to a good standard and get the pace up, you know, and you have nice stages that you like, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll drive well and things will work well for you. You get no breakdowns or no uh, offs or anything like that. You need luck. And you need luck in any sport, I suppose, in one way. Um, and if you don't have that luck, well, I suppose then that on the day you don't win. But uh, Wexford, as I say, was always seriously good to me. Another great event I had, uh, again, was against Tony O'Sullivan. Um, I had uh, a Subaru. Um, uh, S11 and he had a Ford Escort and we were going into the last stage and there was 8 or 9 seconds between us and of course we being ourselves we, we took out the spare wheel took out the jack uh, just put the bare amount of fuel and, it, and, and I never ever ever rallied in torrential rain and this was just rain standing on the road and we put on a full set of wets 
and again took one st- uh, second out of Donny to win the rally. And you know, those events you remember quite well because they're so competitive and you're up against the cream of the cream. And, and to be fair to Enda and the likes of Donny O'Sullivan, they were serious competitors, but most enjoyable. And, and when it was over, you know, we'd have the crack and we'd have the laugh. And I suppose, you know, the sing songs and all that, I, I miss all that. And all that's gone over rallying, which is sad, really. Uh, because we had great fun. We had great fun over the years. Yeah, so t- take us back to like your first ever win, because I know 91 was a big year. You started getting really good results in 91. Yeah, I, well, as I said, uh, I, I bought the uh, uh, 1600 Toyota Corolla, which was an X-Works car. Uh, if anyone would remember the number, it was 86 CW23. And, uh, you know, we, we, we did various events and won our class. And it, it, during that year, then we won the Foley Championship outright. We won the 1600 uh, Dunlop Tarmac Championship outright. And we won the 1600 um, uh, National Championship outright. And indeed, did, did the Cork 20. And we finished sixth overall uh, in the Cork 20 after breaking an engine mount. And Joe Deacon got up on a, on, on a ditch got a piece of timber and a, a piece of wire. Uh, he shoved up the, the engine. I pushed in the, the timber underneath because he was less stronger than me and tied, tied the wire around the, the, the uh, engine mount to get to the end of the stage. But we finished sixth overall and, yeah, had serious, serious results in that car. Very, very good. I remember another incident. I'm sure you can, you can kind of look back and laugh at it now, but yourself and Joe were pulled in and... Um, Joe was lifting the bonnet anyway, and next thing the bonnet came back and smashed the windscreen. Can you remember that in particular? I, I, do I remember? Will I ever forget? Absolutely. <laughs> One of those things you see, you know, and you don't think of those things on the day, but, you know, if it was nowadays, you'd probably be out of the rally with a broken windscreen. But we, we, we actually continued on. Um, and I think we finished third overall. That was the Circle of the Munster, uh, right. that rally. And that was in, in Jimmy McRae's old two-wheel drive Sierra, D418 SVW. Actually, Frank Maher had the same type of car in the Stone Tours and when we, when we came up against Frank. But uh, that was, a, again, that was a seriously, seriously good car. Very, very reliable. Yeah, what was the conversation like with, with Joe after that happened? Ah, look, Joe and I, I suppose Joe sat in with me for 12 years. We never had a crossword, only once down in, in, in Clare, the Clare Rally. Um, I, <laughs> I had to go and rescue somebody else that had a problem with uh, a caravan that I'd sold them and an awning on the side of it, which is a funny story. But <clears throat> we went off down to, to, I suppose, sort the problem. Thomas Corrigan and I, who was the, one of the mechanics. And, of course, we were tearing back and Joe was ringing me, look, we've only excellent amount of time to get back and all that. And I said, Joe, take the car apart from it. I'll be there as quick as I can. That was the only time I ever saw Joe annoyed with me because he was under pressure and we were first on the road. So we needed to get out. But you know something? It actually helped us to win the rally on the day because there wasn't a word between us going to the first stage and I had to drive pretty quick to get out to the, to the start of the stage not to be penalised for being late. So you can only imagine. <laughs> but Joe and I got on extremely well. Joe's, Joe was a very, very good navigator and very dedicated to the job as well. Yeah, and of course, um, you know, not a million miles away from, from your home place. You then had Mickey Joe Morrissey on board with you for, you know, a pretty solid relationship as well. And, you know, I'm thinking back to the times then, 95 and 96 in particular, when you went back to back with the national championships. And that Group A escort was just a fabulous piece of machinery, which you drove so well. Yeah, look, 
I, I was blessed. I had Matt O'Reilly, who was uh, one of the mechanics I had, and Thomas Corrigan. But without the, those two lads, I wouldn't have, been, wouldn't have won any championship, I can tell you that honestly, because they kept us going when, when the thing was, I suppose, giving us a bit of trouble or a bit of bother. And, you know, Matt, Matt O'Reilly was dedicated so much that at, at his lunch break, uh, when he was working with Burns Garage in Tullow, he'd come home and he'd be under the car doing something. That night he'd be under it again. Seriously dedicated. And, you know, it's not about the driver or the navigator at times. It's all about the team you have behind you. I had Michael Dundon then was a guy in tyres. My brother Des uh, did mud nuts and so forth. So we had a, a fantastic team. And, you know, if you don't have a team that uh, I suppose you can depend on, you could be often in trouble as well. And, and they were seriously super guys to, to work with and very, very good. And the encouragement that they give you then as well was, was brilliant, you know. Yeah, and you had the back in a Stat Isle as well. And that was obviously a huge help. Ah, yeah. No, Stat Isle, I had Stat Isle for about six years. Uh, we were distributors for them here. And, uh, you know, you can't rally without sponsorship. And, and I was lucky that Stat Isle were very, very good to me for the six years because it's not a cheap sport, but... Um, you know, it was something that I got hooked on because I, I, I took to it like water to a duck, I suppose, uh, or a duck to water, should I say. But uh, yeah, uh, y you always need money and money is, is what keeps a car going and petrol, um, we say tires, service, uh, meals for the lads, um, bedroom nights and all that. But I was very lucky, the people that, that, that sponsored me, you know, if we were going somewhere, we might get a hotel and they'd give you a good deal or whatever. And you need that in rallying because it's, it's just a, a very expensive sport, you know. Um, just yeah. just on, 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 a, on a light note, uh, I had Owen McCarthy, who was one of the bosses in Kingspan, and Kingspan sponsored me for, for a good few years as well. But the first time, he gave me a set of tyres. And about, I suppose, three weeks to a month later, he called into the office again uh, to see me. And he said, how are my tyres going? And I said, oh, they're probably on the side of this pit somewhere on Bally Murphy or Hannah or somewhere like that. He said, what? He said, you mean to tell me they're worn already? I said, yeah, unfortunately, Owen, we probably got eight stages out of them and then chucked them off. Ah, you're joking. Well, he said, look, we'll have to give you something else. So, and that struck up another relationship which got us more sponsorship because in fairness to him, when he suggested he give me a set of tyres, I hadn't the heart to tell him that wasn't enough. But, uh, you know, when he, when he heard that we only got eight stages, he gave us more the next time round. You know? And there's people like that that you need behind you when you're rallying. Yeah, it's such an expensive taste. I mean, every penny counts. And... You know, like, it must have been difficult at times. It wasn't all plain sailing, I'm sure, during the 90s when, when you were trying to get the car on the road, like. Ah, no, Christ, no. Uh, <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd be beg, beg, steal or borrow and, and, you know, you'd be trucking and trading and trying to make, you know, a few bob for the next rally to get the car out to get the event. But as I said, you know, the likes of Matt O'Reilly, the likes of Thomas Corrigan, the likes of Michael Dunham, my brother Des, um, you know, and Joe, to be fair to him, used to put his hand in his pocket as well to, to, to support the whole thing. And without that, you couldn't uh, dream of rallying. And I'm sure today it's a lot more expensive and it was bad enough then, you know. Yeah. And just on, you know, the whole national back-to-back -back thing, which was, which was huge at the time. Um, in one of those years, am I right in saying you won, was it eight or nine events? I finished with uh, full points uh, both years back-to-back. Which, wow. which meant that we, di we, didn't, we didn't lose any rally. We won every rally that, was, wow. that we went. That's incredible. Uh, and did. Yeah, wish you luck.
uh, I suppose, again, it was a lot of it luck because sometimes you get a breakdown or you get a puncture or, you know, the usual. But no, we were very lucky. And and uh, to win 95 and 96 back-to-back was, was absolutely brilliant. And then to get the drive uh, for Honda from Hong Kong to Beijing because I was the seeded driver after that. That was super. That was I was going to come to you on that and ask you how it kind of came yeah. about. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, look, uh, as I'm sitting in my office, I'm looking at the number plate off the front of the car, and I'm also looking at the uh, uh, number 11. We started at 11 and we finished 11, and we won the class. And I suppose Joe and I are probably the only two guys in Ireland that have uh, the FIA trophy for, for, for the... 1600 class in, in, in Hong Kong to Beijing. It was a super event uh, over seven days, roughly 3,800 kilometers, starting approximately five, half five in the morning and not getting back to the hotel till seven or eight o'clock at night. It was long days, but you know, I lost, I think, about three quarters of a stone in the, in the week because you know, the food and that out there is a little different than we have here. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus! Like it's just um, the logistics involved in that as well. I mean, it was great, to obviously, get the deal. But I know there was a bit of a a carrot dangling as well, wasn't there? Talks of getting another drive in a couple of events if that event had gone well or something like that. Yeah, uh, there was, but but the team that that look the guy that I um, it was a company called MIT Sanyan, which was made in Taiwan. Sanyan it stood for. And the, one, the guy that actually owned it, he had a similar car and he crashed out, I think, in the fifth or sixth stage. He went out in the first day. Uh, we were very lucky that we kept it going. Uh, and the car, like I had never driven left-hand drive before. I'd never driven front-wheel drive before. And I never had driven on loose surface. I was a tarmac driver up to then. So it was a whole new learning curve. But you know something, it, it was brilliant, brilliant event. I can, I can still see some of the... the the places we went through, like where the COVID started was a place called Wuhan. And um, when we were coming to, to, to go through Wuhan itself, uh, the guy that ran the rally said, guys, look, you got to stay blowing the horn as you go through this uh, city. And like, I kind of wondered to myself, why was that? But you know what? When we came to it, we knew exactly because there was thousands upon millions of people uh, out looking and, you, you know, you had to blow the horn for them to dissipate in front of me. It was like Moses parting the, the Red Sea. <laughs> That's the way we were going through the, the place, you know? Yeah. Um, geez, it took you all over the world, really, because you, you mentioned the, that particular event. I know you were in Belgium as well and maybe a couple of other places. Yeah, we did, we did Flanders um, and we did Madeira. Um, where else did we go? Can I remember? Uh, Flanders, Madeira and somewhere else. Yeah, we look. We got some lovely deals and some lovely offers to go. And sure, for the lads, it was great because they they got a kind of a holiday out of it, and we made it a holiday. Put it to you that way. Yeah, um, yeah. enjoying the event, you know. Absolutely, and like when when you get to do that as well, isn't it great to pit yourself against drivers from different parts of the world just to see what what the, what you know what the standard is, I suppose. Well, you know, when we did Hong Kong to Be- Beijing, the first night we sat down to eat a, a, a meal. Ari Vatnan sat alongside us and also Richard Burns, Lord Mercy on him. And, wow. you know, to be, to be sitting with guys like that, uh, having a bite to eat and having a chat, because I suppose the, some of the rest of the guys had no English, but these two lads, you know, it was great to chat to them and talk about what, what like, we didn't do um, a recce because we couldn't. Uh, so there was a guy driving a Toyota Celica uh, called Fuji Muto. 
and we got a set of his notes and his notes were completely uh, opposite to ours. We used from, from one to six and a, a, a six was a, always a, a right angle bend and there he used a six as a flat bend. So we had to change all the notes and in fairness to Joe Deacon, he changed them uh, every night for the next day and you know something, he never made one mistake and I suppose that got us through uh, as well because we knew what was I knew what was coming and uh, he knew what he had to mark as dangerous and so forth because the other guy had it marked the same way you know yeah so bringing it back to, to home turf then you know yeah. the next big one for you the the escort WRC another fabulous piece of machinery and I know in 1998 in particular I suppose you were probably targeting that year and that machine as the one that maybe was just going to get you this tarmac championship and I tell you you had serious competition at the time with the likes of Fisher, Lord Reston, like and McHale. Yeah. I know Amar didn't come back till maybe 99 or, or 2000. And I'll talk to you about Fisher and Amar as well separately. But like yeah. that was a seriously competitive time. And you must have fancied your chances as well, though, at the same time. I, I did. But you know something? Uh, looking back on everything, you learn an awful lot. I was rallying against guys that had works cars. My car, I could only afford to build it to a certain standard. So, you know, that extra second a kilometre made an awful difference. Like, you know, you'd be beaten by eight or nine or ten seconds and you'd wonder to yourself, where did I lose that eight or nine seconds? You know, because I'd be driving as hard as I thought I could, but yet you'd go to the end of the stage and you'd say, oh, just he took ten seconds off us. And you'd wonder, where did I lose that on the stage? You know, but it was all down to how, I suppose, you know, competitive your car was against the works machinery. Like Bertie always had the best, Austin McHale always had the best, uh, Frank Maher, to be fair to him, had the best as well. And he put every shilling, I suppose, he had into it. Um, so, you know, that that's the way you'd have to look at it. But I had to build the car according to my pocket, and that's what I did. And that's not me uh, making poor moves or anything. It's just what, what the way it was, you know. Yeah. Do you think with the works back in that, you possibly could have pushed for that Tarmac Championship? Uh, you'd certainly like to think you would. I mean, in 93, when I had the, the two-wheel drive Sierra, we did the Circle of Ireland. Uh, we finished third overall, and that was the next works car belonged to Jimmy McRae. But you can imagine, he had that car in 86. Mm -hmm. We rallied it seven years later. So you can imagine how much the technology had moved on in that seven years. But we could only afford what we could only afford. And, you know, that, that's the way it was. But you know what? To win a lot of rallies like the Circle of Ireland back then, you had to keep the car going no matter what. If you could keep it going and you had a certain pace, you, you know, you'd probably get a good finish. And that's the way. It's like somebody said to me one time, he said, Stephen, to finish first, first you must finish. And it's a very true statement, you know. It is. You mentioned, uh, you know, the the third place finish in the circuit. Another very impressive finish, I can recall anyway, is Killarney in the year 2000 because Stephen Finlay made his comeback. Frank was back as well. And that was, Jesus, there was serious machinery down there. And you came third. I think it was a Bertie's ex-car you came third in. Yeah, it was the, it was the R55 FEL. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you an interesting story. When I went to buy that from Bertie, I uh, went up to, to um, Enniskillen and he brought the car out to Enniskillen Airfield. Right. And of course, I put on the helmet, sat in the passenger seat, Bertie got in, drove, down the, the first straight, handbrake, turned left, down to the next straight, handbrake again, down the other side, back up, 
and handbraked all the whole way around them. Now, really impressed, really impressive, really good. I always thought Bertie was a serious driver anyway. We stopped anyway after doing two laps of the, of the airfield, got out, I put the helmet on the, on the roof and Bertie put the helmet on the opposite side and he said, see here, you're young Murphy. He said, what do you think of that car now? And of course, I jokingly said to him, God, Bertie, I can't understand why you didn't win more rallies in it. <laughs> <laughs> and he said to me, I will remind you of that. You know? <laughs> and another really nice man, a very, very decent man. I, I, I bought that car from him that time. And you know something, I had to ring him sometime later to say, Bertie, whichever put in the other check I gave you, it hasn't gone through. Ock, he says, there's no rush. He says, I'll put it in, there's no while. He says, I know you guys are trying to get going and so forth. Very, very decent man. And in actual fact, so decent and got so friendly with him, he invited us up to his 50th birthday party and I stayed in his house. But a, a seriously genuine fellow. Yeah. You know? Jeez, that's, that's brilliant to have that sort of um, relationship. And you had many dealings with him down through the years. Obviously, you're, you're the best of friends and the best of enemies, as, as people would say. But I'm sure you would have seen many dealings with Bertie up close and personal. Ah, yeah. Look, uh, he was in the same game, albeit that he was in a much, much bigger uh, way than we were. Like, he, he would probably produce 30,000 tonnes of steel a year, where we were only making seven and 8,000 tonnes, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, you could ask Bertie Fisher, for the short off his back and he gave it to you. That's the type of man he was. Very, very decent and very honourable, you know. And uh, indeed, uh, when I was buying a helicopter back then, I, I actually asked him, you know, could we go up and have a spin in his and so forth. And, uh, and <laughs> another interesting thing happened. We were out playing around. And if you know Sean Quinn's uh, quarry up there, I he has yet. some of those big windmills on the, on the side of the hill. And Thomas, Thomas Corrigan, the, one of the service guys, was with us the same day and he was sitting in the back. And of course, Bertie was coming along the side of the hill and Thomas could see these windmills and he said, over the uh, intercoms, he said, Bertie, you can pull up anytime you want now. <laughs> Thomas was getting afraid. <laughs> so, yeah. but, but as I say, uh, I actually have Bertie's um, uh, fueling system here. When I went along and bought a helicopter after that and when Bertie, Lord mercy him, died, his brother Ernie called me and said, listen, we'd like you, I know you're buying a helicopter. He said, we'd like you to have uh, the fueling system here because it won't be used by anyone here again. And I said to him, God, look, Ernie, that's very decent. But I said, I, I, I wouldn't take it. I, I said, I'd have to pay you for it. So we did a deal and it actually sits here. Every time I see it, I always think about it. Wow, wow. And I notice you have a lot of those, you seem to have a lot of these things in your office. You like that element of nostalgia to look back. And I suppose, isn't it nice to have these things in memories to trigger those sort of things as well? Ah, yeah. Oh, God, it is. I have a lot of rally photographs here uh, throughout the office with different cars and different events that we did and so forth. And, you know, I have a replica of the, of the um, Sierra. Uh, this is the first Statoid Sierra I had. Um, and, you know, Things like that, of course. Uh, look, when you're in rallying, I suppose, at the time, and you're in, like, I didn't start till I was 32, which is late. Uh, I was late starting. You, you just need to start, I suppose, karting when you're 10 or 11. That gives you, the, I suppose, the thrill of sideways and all that sort of thing. But, you know, uh, 32 was a bit late. But look, I got in it and I took to it, as I said to you, like water to a duck. Um, so, I was, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I really, really, really enjoyed it over the years that we, we, we were rallying. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, you know, Bert, you made the joke to Bertie about the results and stuff. You actually got decent results because, you know, we mentioned the podium finish in Clarny. You won West Cork as well. You know, you That's got right. good results out of that car. Oh, yeah. No, that was a super, super car. I mean, it was when I had it uh, uh, after Bertie, I suppose, the difference was, you know, you were driving an X-Works car. And you got it from Bertie Fisher as it was, as it was built from him for him. You didn't get any diff- anything different. He, the car was left exactly. But, you know, it was just unbelievable, that car. If where you pointed it, it would go. The car was just so, so um, good at handling through bends, through, through tight stuff. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And then I suppose, Stephen, there was a kind of a, a break in your rallying career. And you came back, I think, in 2004 and won the Carlos Stages rally. Were you, were you four years out of the game fully when you came back? And that was your first event. That's right, I was, yeah. That's some going by. Ah, look, as I said to you, I suppose people that ask, you, that ask me that I practice, and I suppose before any event, the lads would get me to go up the mountain, but sure, I'd only do three or four runs up the mountain and say, lads, look, that's grand, I'm happy now. I, 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 I never was one for practicing, if you want to call it practicing. I just would test the car, set the seats, um, you know, set the car as we thought we'd want it for the rally that was coming up. And, you know, when in that time, then you had uh, ProDrive would send an engineer to you and you, they were able to read into uh, what way they, they'd ask you what way the stages were, were the bumpy or smooth or fast or flowing or whatever. And they set the car then exactly. And, you know, that was a whole new learning curve for me because we would have we would have before that just just had the cars. We thought it was right. But these guys could go in onto the ECU and, and then, I suppose, do different things to make the car, uh, I suppose, have a different top speed. Or if the stages were tighter, that the top speed would be lowered and you'd have more torque in the car through bends and so forth. Right. So you come on then and win in, in 2005 again, just for just for good measure. And I think possibly 2011 might have been, might have been your last one. Do you get itchy feet at all to go back? Do you, does you, do you ever get the urge, geez, I wouldn't mind the crack at this again one last time? I saw only uh, Sunday evening, I was looking through uh, on my iPhone and I came across um, an S12B that's for sale. <laughs> right. And I kind of said to myself, would you or would you not? And I kind of said, well, you know what? I'm above 60 now. I should have sense. And maybe, you know, uh, enjoyed the years I had at it. Look, it, it would be, I'd love to go, go back and do an event. Of course I would. But like, I'd have to go back, get my license, you know, you'd have to do a national event or whatever. Yeah, I'd do it for the crack. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you, you wouldn't be competitive. Like the young lads that are out there, like, like uh, today, uh, you know, the Donna Kellys, the, the, um, the Moffats and all those guys, they're out every weekend and they're, they're at a top level now. And, you know, it would be hard for me to come back and be even at a pace with them. And I'd know that. But that wouldn't stop me from doing an event and enjoying it. You know, that sort of way. Absolutely. What's the, what's the one thing you miss most about it? The fun that we had. We had, honest to God, we had serious, serious fun. I often remember playing a guitar and singing in after the events uh, until four and five o'clock in the morning. And, and, you know, just the crack that we had and the, the camaraderie and the slagging and everything else that went with it, you know, um, that, that was what really I enjoyed. And, and, and that I miss seriously, you know. Yeah. And Frank Marr, we mentioned him earlier. 
just sum up Frank Marr for us. Well, I suppose the only uh, event I ever beat Frank on was the Stone Trolls Rally. And two of us had two similar cars. I had the D4 1A SPW two-wheel drive XGM McRae. And he had the Duckham's one. And it was D something, D4 SB, SBB or something like that. And uh, basically, uh, I can still see one part of one stage where we came through a four crossroads kind of half sideways, catching the grass on one side. And a friend of mine, Tom Conley from Bagnallstown, the, the, the Tom owns Super Value in Bagnallstown, Tom said to me, he said, geez, I was standing on that crossroad. He said, what if there was a stone in the ditch? And I jokingly said to Tom, no, Tom, look, we had walked that, that, that ditch the day before and we knew there was no stones there, which I was joking. But Tom took me as serious, I think. But <laughs> that, that, was, that was a brilliant event. I really enjoyed that uh, against Frank. Frank, again, was a seriously super competitor uh, and a hell of a talented driver. Really, really talented. And only a pity that, I suppose, at times he couldn't afford the top cars because... I reckon Frank would have won a lot, lot more rallies if he had the top cars instead of trying to drive a two-wheel drive uh, escort against four-wheel drive machinery that was out there. But he proved that he could and he got some great results out of what he had at the time. He absolutely embarrassed the, the, the top machinery, really, when you, when you think about it, in, in the Mar 2. Absolutely. Wasn't that just serious going? like? Well, I remember I had a problem with the Sierra, the um, escort when I got it first, the first one I had. And I rang Frank. I said, Frank, would you, would you do me a favor? Would you come up and test the car on the mountain with me? Yeah, he said, Jesus, I'd be only too delighted. When do you want to do it? I said, would Saturday evening suit you? He said, yeah, no problem. So he came on anyway up to, to Mount Leinster and I sat in alongside him, down one road, back up. Second time down, Frank was going a hell of a lot harder, hit a bump, up on the ditch one side, down in the ditch and up on the far ditch on the other side. And I said, oh, holy mother. Came up to where the car park was and I swung my right arm and stopped Frank. He said, yeah, all right. No, I said, Frank, stop for a minute, stop for a minute. I stood out and I said, Frank, you carry on. You tell me when you have the car right. I wouldn't be a good man in the passenger seat. That was, that was the problem I had. I'd have to be driving. Yeah. But he was, and he, he was a hell of a man to control the car. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And again, you know, it's just a, a great pity he was taken. When you, ah, isn't sure. it, like, when you consider Stephen as well, like rallying... It's very safe nowadays. Things have come along so much. Things have come along so much. But when you consider Bertie and Mark Fisher and Frank were both killed mm. in, like, they weren't even compete. You know, just one of those things, I suppose. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, ah, look, I tell you, rallying suffered fierce because of that. Um, you know, I mean, the cream, the, uh, Mark Fisher was coming behind Bertie, obviously had huge talent, obviously loved the sport as well. And, you know, it was so sad that that accident took place with the helicopter and all that. Um, like, rallying, I suppose, was at a huge loss because Bertie Fisher uh, got killed and most definitely the same with Frank Marr. And, you know, you can't replace guys like that in the sense that, you know, that their legend will always live on. So Bertie Fisher, uh, you know, everybody ever, always talks about Bertie Fisher and how good he was and tough Mac. And, you know, it was just a, a, a super era of rallying that time. Uh, I'm not saying that today is, is any better or any worse, but 
you know, he was a was a, um, a serious competitor and a really nice man, as I said. And same way with Frank Marr. You could ask Frank Marr, Jesus, Frank, I'm stuck for such a thing. Would you have it? And if you had it, again, he'd give it to you. Same with Austin McHale. Austin McHale would, would, would give you parts or whatever he'd have if you were doing a rally. You know, we all had that going back then, that if we were stuck for something or stuck for tyres, Tim McNulty, you know, I remember when I came back to do one event, I said to Tim, look, I, these tyres have changed. Would you give me a hand at the tyres? And in fairness to Tim, yeah, he said, look, I'd use X on, on this stage and that stage and the other stage. And, you know, there was a huge camaraderie between us. And, uh, you know, that you never forget. And, you know, like, I'd still meet, meet McNulty a couple of times a year and have a, have a drink with him and chat and the slagging would go on as usual, you know. So you, you'd miss all that. You have to say you'd miss all that. But sure, life goes on and life changes and life moves, moves in different directions for different people. That's it. Look, we're, we're going to finish up shortly, but I'm, I'm just going to finish by saying, look, it must be obviously a great pleasure for you to be able to look back and say, I dined at the top table with the like of them boys you've, you've named out. But if I was just to ask you for your fondest memory, if I was to put you on the spot, your fondest memory in Irish rallying? Probably third overall in the Circuit of Ireland. Um, I remember coming up to the podium at the finish and the tears coming down my, my eyes because... You know, it was the old circuit of Ireland where you went through the various counties. One of the stages was over not too far from where I live, about 10 miles. And we slid off into a dike and all the local farmers and guys who were standing on this pushed us out and got going again. You know, and you, you, you spend three, four days in a car, you get to the finish. And just the sheer, the sheer I suppose, adrenaline as you go over the, the, the finish ramp. You know, the tears came down my face. I never thought that I could get a result like third overall in the in the circuit of Ireland. And that, I suppose, is my fondest memory of, of rallying. Great stuff. Stephen, it's a pleasure to have had you on the, the Irish Rally podcast. Thanks for joining us and really appreciate your not, time. Not a bother. Look, the best of luck with that. I hope it all goes well for you, Kevin. And my thanks to Stephen indeed for joining us on this week's edition of the Irish Rally Podcast. Some cracking stories in there and certainly great to be looking forward to the Wexford Rally also. Thanks again for listening in. Don't forget we're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe and follow the podcast for free on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, the email address is irishrallypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again to this week's show sponsor, M. Cody Stoneworks, Castle Comer, County Kilkenny. And until next week, take care.